drive time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. Now, here's your host, Joe McClain. Jesus Christ, welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning. It's Wednesday, January the 19th, 2022. Here's a question. Are the Jesuits supporting assisted suicide bill in Italy right now? It's kind of complicated, but we're going to dive into that at 15 past the hour. Also coming up in this hour, 35 past the hour, Claire Alarud is coming back onto the program, rejoining us. She is the Catholic Rose. And we're going to ask the question about why are women veiling more and more at Holy Mass? What is the attraction there? What is the, what is the tradition there? What does the church teach about women who veil? Why should they? Why, do, why are they attracted to it? All of those questions are going to be answered coming up at 35 past the hour. It's going to be a great show. Hopefully you can join us for that. Praise be to God. It is Catholic Drive Time and uh, kind of... Apropos would be to purchase your raffle tickets to purchase or possibly win, rather, a brand new 2022 uh, Mercedes GLA in night black. It is a GLA 250. And how much more Catholic drive time could you get if you were driving around in this at the end of February? Praise be to God. Some lucky Catholic radio listener will uh, be able to uh, drive this at the end of February. And all proceeds go to support our Catholic radio postulate. Go to grnonline.com to get your tickets, to get the details of the rules and all of that at grnonline.com. Good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. Are you okay? I have some bad news. I, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm afraid now. Texas no longer will have the largest buckies. Texas will no longer have the largest buckies. Yep, they're going to t- they're going to Tennessee. Hmm. Can't believe it. I cannot believe it. You know, uh, devastating news. Okay, so I was not a supporter of secession <laughs> up until this very moment. Okay, this is the straw that breaks the camel's back. <laughs> There's no possibility that Texas can't be the owner of the largest buckies on planet Earth and the largest car wash. I agree. By the way, which accompanies the largest buckies? Can we keep the title of largest car wash? They could have the largest buckies, but we'll I have am the completely fine with states like Tennessee or Alabama or Florida or the Carolinas desiring buckies. I mean, it makes sense. It is buckies after all. True. Uh, but they can't have the biggest. So I don't know who you have to call to inform them of that, but we need to take care of that today. So true. Speaking of which, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Good morning. Howdy, howdy. Praise uh, be to God. Did you hear the news? It's good to be here, despite the fact that Bucky's is uh, making a giant, giant, bigger Bucky's in Tennessee. Despite that, I'm still. It's still good to be here. Maybe it's fake news. Have we fact checked this? I'm. I really hope it's not true. I'm. You know, there's on a the Catholic verge of fact checking organization out there now. Maybe we should get them employed to uh, to to you know run this story down and figure out whether or not it's fake news. It's a sad day for Texas. It's, over. it's a super <laughs> it's over. sad day for the world. What are you talking about? Is it uh, genuinely? Is it actually over? Ask commentator unequivocally. <laughs> <laughs> if you're in Boston right now, New York or, uh, oh, yeah, or Ohio, I mean, you're probably thinking. <laughs> What are they talking about? <laughs> talking about a gas station. We're <laughs> talking about the largest gas station known to man. It has got like a hundred plus pumps. It's like a two hundred fifty foot long uh, car wash. It's like Walmart with a gas station attached to it. The best selection of jerkies on planet Earth. Though it's cleaner than Walmart. And the number one and number two reason to stop there is one and two. Number one and number two. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, uh, not sponsored in any way by the. They should. They should. They should give us money. Unless, praise be to God, that's just a fun, fun little joke there. But at any rate, we are going to jump into some great stories in the breaking news coming up in just a moment. Uh, we'll have Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day, plus our uh, What's Concerning Us at 15 Past, and then of course our uh, our guest segment with Claire Allerud, the Catholic Rose, talking about veiling at Mass for women and beyond. By the way. Uh, that's all on the program today. So stick around for as much of it as you possibly can and share us with a friend along the way. But let's pray for your intentions, dear listener. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of Virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now your breaking news with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning into Catholic Drive Time. Rudy Carlos here. Let's dive right into the headline news this morning. AP reports Russia moves more troops westward amid Ukraine tensions. Russia is sending an unspecified number of troops from the country's far east to Belarus for major war games, officials said on Tuesday, a deployment that will further beef up Russian military presence near Ukraine amid Western fears of planned invasion. Amid the soaring tensions, the White House warned that Russia could attack its neighbor at any point, while the UK delivered a batch of anti-tank weapons to Ukraine. Russia's Deputy Defense Minister Alexander Fomin said that the joint drills with Belarus would involve practicing a joint response to external threats. A senior Biden administration official said the Russian troop deployment to Belarus raises concerns that Moscow may be planning to stage troops there to stretch Ukraine's defenses with an attack from the north. An anonymous official noted that the movement may also indicate Belarus's willingness to allow both Russian and conventional nuclear forces to be stationed on its territory. And Breitbart reports abortion clinics fear setback as lawsuit against Heartbeat Act moves to Texas Supreme Court. A federal appeals court ruled Monday that the lawsuit by abortion providers against the Texas Heartbeat Act must move to the conservative-leaning Texas Supreme Court rather than back to a federal court in Austin that has been the only court to block the law restricting abortions in the state. Texas Right to Life celebrated the decision. This is great news for Texas because such an action is more likely to ensure a just and favorable ruling compared to that which could have been expected from a pro-abortion federal district judge to whom the abortion industry asked to send the case. Beyond this, sending the lawsuit to the Supreme Court of Texas is appropriate because the only defendants left in the case are state agencies. And the Epic Times reports Babbitt tried to stop attack on Capitol Speaker's lobby video shows. Ashley Babbitt, who was fatally shot by a police officer at the U.S. Capitol on January 6, 2021, desperately tried to prevent rioters from vandalizing the doors leading to the Speaker's lobby in the Capitol that day. Even stepping between one troublemaker and officers guarding the doors, a video footage analysis shows. Frame-by-frame frame video evidence analyzed by the Epic Times paints a vastly different picture of Babbitt's actions that portrayed that have been portrayed in media accounts over the past year. News media regularly painted Babbitt as violent, a rioter, or an insurrectionist who was angrily trying to breach the speaker's lobby. An audio analysis of the video footage taken in the hallway reveals that Babbitt shouted, Stop! No! Don't! And wait! According to her husband, Aaron Babbitt. After repeatedly forcing myself to watch the murder of my wife, I have come to my own conclusion that Ashley came to a point of realization that she was in a very bad situation, and the police weren't acting appropriately to what she was witnessing, Aaron Babbitt told the Epic Times. 
I know my wife very well. She's not destructive, Babbitt said. She was not there to hurt anyone. And the Blaze reports Glenn Youngkin fires back after school officials refuse, to, refuse order that empowers parents on face masks in schools. Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin fulfilled nearly one dozen campaign promises upon entering office, issuing nine executive orders, including one that empowered parents to choose whether their children could wear face masks in school. But recalcitrant school officials are bucking to Youngkin's order and forcing children to continue wearing face masks. School districts across the Commonwealth, particularly those in liberal areas, immediately reacted to Youngkin's order by vowing to violate it and to keep mask mandates in place. The Republican governor said that immediate defiance by school districts demonstrates their refusal to listen to parents. We will use every resource within the governor's authority to explore what can, what we can do and will do in order to make sure parents' rights are protected, he said. And those are your headline news this morning. God love you. The, the saint of the day is St. Philon. He's a old Irish saint, so these are fun names. He was born in the 8th century St. Philon of Munster, the son of Firoc and grandson of Chelloc Coalon, king of Leinster, received the monastic habit at the Abbey of Finton of Tagmon in Wexford and came to Scotland from Ireland in 717 as a hermit along with his Irish princess mother, St. Kintengurna, and his Irish prince uncle, St. Comgun. A story is told that while St. Philon was plowing the fields near Killen, a wolf took the life of the ox, and thus Philon could not continue. A geist was put on the ox, which meant that the wolf had to take the place of the ox and do its work. The story may be considered more of a parable than historical truth, but the connection with the origins of Philon's name remains obvious, as his name means wolf. St. Philon was credited with powers such as healing of the sick and also possessed a luminous glow from his left arm, which he used to study and copy sacred scripture in the dark. He died on January 19th during the 8th century. St. Philon, pray for us. Wow, sounds like a, a Tolkien trilogy right there. Anyway, praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Mark chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Jesus entered the synagogue. There was a man there who had a withered hand. They watched Jesus closely to see if he would cure him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. He said to the man with the withered hand, Come up here before us. Then he said to the Pharisees, Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath rather than to do evil, to save life rather than to destroy it? But they remained silent looking around at them with anger and grieved at their hardness of heart, Jesus said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately took counsel with the Herodians against him to put him to death. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, Saint, uh, the St. Theophilicate would say, after confounding the Jews, who had blamed his disciples for pulling the ears of corn on the Sabbath day, by the example of David, the Lord now further bringing them to the truth, works a miracle on the Sabbath, showing that if it is a pious deed to work miracles on the Sabbath for the health of men, it is not wrong to, uh, to do on the Sabbath things necessary 
for the body. Close quote, St. Theophilicate, pray for us. Now, there's several interesting points here, I think. Number one, there's a a subtle reference here to something that happened during uh, the Maccabean time when they would suspend the laws on the Sabbath in order to conduct defensive warfare, um, where he says to save life rather than to destroy it. In other words, they should know better. They have minds. God gave us minds to use those minds to discern things properly. And uh, they should know that the strict observance to the letter of the law, sort of like the uh, uh, fundamentalizing uh, the, the law of God rather than understanding the law of God, and uh, to heal on the Sabbath is, is part of God's intention, to, for us to rest in him. And they are sort of perverting that here. And the fact that they have strange bedfellows, look at they go out and hang out with the Herodians. These two don't get along. Ignatius Catholic Commentary said today, two religious and political groups in New Testament Palestine, they held opposite political stances and outlooks on Jewish life, but stood united in their opposition to to Jesus. But there was uh, a bit of a sense here that the Herodians could be of the Antichrist flavor here. Theophilus says, but the soldiers of Herod, the king, are called Herodians because a certain new heresy had sprung up, which asserted that Herod was the Christ. For the prophecy of Jacob intimated that when the princes of Judah failed, then Christ should come. Because therefore, in the time of Herod, none of the Jewish princes remained. And he, an alien, was the sole ruler. Some thought that he was the Christ and set on foot this heresy. These, therefore, were uh, with the Pharisees trying to kill Jesus. Now, I find that fascinating from Theophilus here because if that's the case, it's, it's like cooperating. The very people in charge, the very people with authority over the people of God, as Jesus would say in Matthew's gospel, who have the, the, the chair of Moses, do as they say, but don't do as they do because they're hypocrites, they would rather embrace a, a sort of a, a pretend Messiah, an anti-Messiah in many ways, an anti-Christ, rather than embrace Christ himself. They want the lie rather than the truth. They want the fraud rather than the authentic. That is a terrible thing for them and for uh, the world around us. We should never embrace the, the false. We must embrace the truth. And that truth is a person. And that person is Jesus Christ. And that person, Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one gets to the Father but through me. Today, let's make the decision, you and me, to embrace truth over error. Let the chips fall where they may. Let's pray for the world today and the salvation of souls. We'll be right back. What's Concerning Us is coming up next. So you're driving to work while listening to Catholic Drive Time. But you're not just driving any car. You're driving a midnight black 2022 GLA 250. Make 2022 your year by supporting the GRN and possibly winning a GLA 250 by going to grnonline.com and buying five tickets for $100 or $25 for one. Raffle ends February 21st and you must be 18 or older to participate. We live with the illusion that we are in control. One Minute Monk, Abbot Placid Solari of Belmont Abbey. Yet, how much of life actually is under our control? We need to develop our talents and make prudent preparations for the future. 
But how many times have our plans been sidetracked by forces outside our control? Sometimes unexpected changes have even opened up new opportunities. In his rule, St. Benedict talks about the beauty and purpose of monastic life. The rule is very successful at separating the monks who live according to its teaching from the illusion of control, giving us a peaceful confidence in God's provident care. For your free copy of The Rule of St. Benedict, visit OneMinuteMonk.com. O-N-E-MinuteMonk.com. It's all preparation for our last act of letting go of control when we will have to commend our life trustingly into the Father's hands and death. Jesus Christ, welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Coming up at 35 past the hour, Claire Allerud is going to be rejoining our program today. She is the Catholic Rose on YouTube. We're going to be talking about the growing trend of uh, ladies who veil and why they veil. What is the church's tradition there? What does it all mean? And uh, so that's going to be a great conversation coming up at 35 past the hour. Stick around for that. There are, as I say, lots of stories in the news that are of great concern to me, and I'm sure to some of you as well. Here's one we saw that came out yesterday afternoon out of the National Catholic Register. I won't jump into this very far today, and I'll tell you why. The the headline goes, Pfizer and the Vatican. Sources say uh, Pope Francis met privately twice last year with Pfizer CEO Albert uh, Borla. Now, why? Well, we're going to jump into a conversation with Edward Penton, the, the author of this article and uh, the journalist with the National Catholic Register, on Friday in this segment. So tune back in on Friday if you want to get the lowdown on this. But what does this mean, especially given the fact that the Pope has been very vocal about uh, encouraging everyone on planet Earth to get vaccinated? And, and we'll have that conversation with Edward Penton on Friday at 6.15. Here's another story out of the National Catholic Register. Jesuit journalist criticized for articles supporting assisted suicide bill in Italy. So that's the question. Uh, is, are the Jesuits supporting the assisted suicide bill there? Isn't that against church teaching? What does this all mean? Let's dive into this article a little bit. Out of Rome, almost 60 organizations have criticized an article supporting the passing of an Italian bill to legalize assisted suicide, which was published last week in the Catholic Jesuit-run journal La Civilita Cattolica. A group of 57 associations, mostly based in Italy, have signed a statement voicing their opposition to the article titled The Parliamentarian Discussion on Assisted Suicide. The article was part of the periodical January 15th edition that published online January 13th. La Civilita Cattolica, founded in 1850 and published twice a month, is produced by the Jesuits in Rome and approved before publication by the Vatican Secretariat of State. Hmm, that's interesting. Quote, we cannot remain convinced by an article published today in La Civilita Cattolica on the subject of assisted suicide norms, close quote, the January 13th statement said, going on to say, quote, it is surprising, in fact, that an authoritative publication from which one expects an echo of the magisterium of the church risks positions that, albeit indirectly, may in fact give field to the culture of waste. 
from whose negative effects Pope Francis constantly calls out, close quote. In the statement, the organizations argue that the assisted suicide bill also gives an opening to the legalization of euthanasia in Italy, something the Catholic Church is completely against. Quote, the protection of life and the support of those who suffer is a battle of reason and civilization, which should, therefore, affect everyone and should certainly move those who bear in name the ideal of a Catholic civilization. Close quote. The statement continued. In the La Civilita Cattolica article, Jesuit Father Carlo Casolone, a member of the Pontifical Academy for Life and a moral theology professor at Rome's Pontifical Gregorian University, argues that what he considers to be a serious cause for concern in a proposed referendum on euthanasia and assisted suicide in Italy as a reason for lawmakers to support a bill for assisted suicide legislation. The referendum, which seeks to decriminalize assisted suicide for adults, has a, quote, huge flaw, unquote, according to Father Casalone. Both assisted suicide and euthanasia are illegal in Italy, praise be to God, where the criminal law says, quote, anyone who causes the death of a man with his consent is punished with imprisonment for from six to 15 years, close quote. Going on to say, quote, the request of the referendum is to repeal the related sanctions, except in cases of minor age, mental illness, or alteration of conscience, and consent obtained by deceit or extorted by violence, close quote, Father Casalone wrote, going on to say, quote, the result would be to allow murder without subjecting it to conditions other than those guarantee the validity of the consent, close quote. Father Casaloni said there is a there is no guarantee that further legislative constraints would be applied if the referendum should pass. And this would allow even a healthy person to commit medically assisted suicide after meeting the required requirement of consent. If the Italian court will allow the referendum to be put to a vote, Father Casaloni posited that there will be a high level of support among the Italian public, given the large number of signatures in support of the referendum. The referendum petition had over 1.2 million signatures when it was submitted to Italy's Supreme Court in October of 2021. The priest argued that the bill on assisted suicide, which Parliament is scheduled to vote on in February, could be a way to ensure the law includes conditions in its application. And there, my friends, is the, twi- is the twist. That's the plot twist right there. All of a sudden, we're going from, no, assisted suicide's wrong, we want to prevent this, and now it's like, well, we could possibly use this law if we put some certain conditions in it. Now, all of a sudden, we might be able to support it. There's the turn right there. Article goes on to say, quote, at this, in, at this juncture, at this juncture, the bill could constitute a barrier, albeit imperfect and itself problematic, he said. Debate on the legislation started in mid-December in Italy's Chamber of Deputies and is expected to go to vote in February. Opponents of assisted suicide in euthanasia in Italy, including pro-life and pro-family group Provita e Familia, I didn't say that correctly, but that's the idea, hope the bill will be voted down. Yes, yes, we want it to be voted down. Praise be to God. In La Civilita Cattolica, Father Casaloni questions whether the assisted suicide bill may be, quote, an acceptable, imperfect law, unquote. See, that's the slippery slope, isn't it? It's like saying, oh, we want abortions to be rare. (laughs) Well, you might start there. 
But slippery slopes never end there. They always end with abortion on demand, as said the the Catholic governor of New Jersey, who just signed the the bill for that state to have abortions all the way up till birth. Abortion on demand, no matter what, that's what they want. And yet here, the slippery slope is obvious. If we say yes to the little, what comes after is the torrent, and it opens wide the door to further uh, evil, really. Article goes on to say, while acknowledging the law under under discussion diverges from the Catholic Church's teaching on the illegality of assisted suicide. Did you get that? Did you hear that? While acknowledging that the law under discussion diverges from the Catholic Church's teaching on the illegality of assisted suicide, he suggests that the law could be tolerated if motivated by the function of embankment in the face of a possible more serious damage. So I guess his argument is trying to limit evil. Well, maybe we don't pass the law at all. There you go. Father Castelloni also said he believes the sinking of the bill or uh, inaction by legislators would deal another blow to the credibility of Italy's institutions, quote, in an already critical moment, close quote. Uh, quote, in the current cultural and social situation, it seems to the writer that support for this bill does not conflict with the responsible pursuit of the possible common good, close quote, he stated. And that is the article out of the National Catholic Register about the Jesuit Journal and Father Castelloni, the Jesuit there who's part of the Pontifical Academy for Life out of Rome, and his uh, seemingly supporting this assisted suicide bill that's going through Italy. Shall we pray for Italy and for the Catholic Church there to remain steadfast, steadfast to Holy Mother Church and to her teaching, to the dignity of human life at conception all the way through until natural death? Let's not give way to these types of immoralities in our society. There was a crazy story uh, coming out uh, this morning about some students in, in California, not to continue to pick on your beloved state, Rudy, but... Um, it's okay, I'll allow it. I guess I can't... It, I can no longer hold you personally responsible for all the insanity that happens there, <laughs> uh, but I can try, uh, even if I'm not allowed to. Uh, but there was a, a, there was a, a, like a tweet or something from some students there in uh, this school that were being isolated. They were not vaccinated, so they were being put outside. They're not allowed in the classrooms. They're put into a corner uh, behind the building and then roped off, and guards were placed next to them because they don't have the vaccination. They're not—I mean, this is utterly absurd, but they're being treated like complete lepers. And you're looking at the video. Look, at there's one, two, three, four, five, five guards to make sure that these these handful of students, these unvaccinated peoples, won't infect the, the rest of the student body. I, I suppose that's the idea. Look at them sitting outside. I'm glad it's not raining. I guess in L.A. it never rains. So that's a, <laughs> that's a good thing. Praise be to God. But is, is this the Christian take? Is this is this what our Lord would do? Would he isolate the, the man with the withered hand? Would he isolate the leper? Would he? I doubt he would. And then it reminds me of this other story out of Burlington, Vermont, Catholic News Agency reporting. Burlington priest asked parishioners to tell Bishop of his pastoral care on mental health. Father Peter Williams says the Diocese of Burlington is trying to remove him as pastor of his parish because he will neither be tested regularly for COVID-19 nor be masked. 
He is asking for his parishioners to testify on his behalf because he says the diocese and his family are trying to prove that he is physically and mentally unfit for the job. So Williams is referring to Burlington Bishop Christopher Coyne's September the 2021 letter to the clergy in which he requested that they all be vaccinated. Coyne uh, said that all, alternately, any cleric who chooses to remain unvaccinated must test for COVID-19 every other week and be masked during ministry. Williams, who chose to remain unvaccinated, refused. Williams said that he, ha- he then received correspondence from Coyne, which stated that he had 14 days to comply or Coyne would, would suspend him. Williams, who maintained he has canonical rights as a pastor to remain in his post, has since hired a canon lawyer and said he will fight the cause or the case until Bishop Coyne officially removes him through a canonical process. Let's pray for these cases. Um, it's becoming more and more of a problem. Division within the church is becoming more and more of an issue. And could you even imagine two years ago that the defining issue that would divide this family so much would be on vaccines? Was that even on your radar? I mean, for a lot of families like my family who has suffered a vaccine injury with one of our children, we've been paying attention to vaccines for a very long time when the whole rest of the world wasn't. (laughs) But now the whole world pays attention to these things. And we're seeing a a stark divide amongst the faithful in the Catholic Church. And priests like this are put in very difficult situations with their bishops. And they're made to be, you know, are they mentally, is this guy mentally okay? I mean, does he have to go have psychological counseling? Is it really? Let's pray for peaceful resolution. Let's pray for unity within the body of Christ. And let's pray for clarity in a world of noise and confusion. And let's pray for the conversion of souls everywhere, because that's the mandate of the Lord. We really must follow. We'll be right back. Breaking news and stories. And Claire Allard coming up next. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever noticed what happens when you try to keep up with the current fashions? You go nuts. When we are obsessed with keeping up with the times, we become slaves. Fashions are never settled. To chase something that is always changing is simply futile. It's not freedom, it's insanity. G.K. Chesterton says, The Catholic Church is the only thing that saves a man from the degrading slavery of being a child of his age. Christianity is always out of fashion because it's always sane and fashions are always insane. The Catholic Church never has to worry about being behind the times because it is beyond the times. Want more than a minute? Visit our website, chesterton.org. You could win a 2022 Mercedes-Benz GLA 250 and help drive home the Word of God. The GRN is raffling off this night black compact SUV with the luxury and performance you expect from Mercedes-Benz to support the mission of Catholic Radio. This car could be yours for only $25. Buy four tickets, you get one free. The 2022 GRN car raffle ends February 21st, so get your tickets today at grnonline.com raffle. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm Rudy Carlos, and now your headline news. 
Epic Times reports U.S. coal stockpiles near historic lows. In September 2021, coal stockpiles at U.S. power plants fell to just over 80 million tons. This marked the smallest quantity in more than four decades when, in March 1978, power sector coal stocks hit 77 million tons. In a 2019 report, the Brookings Institution argued that coal is probably in an irreversible decline. It also noted the rise of natural gas, which has played a major role in decreasing U.S. carbon emissions. Brookings also cited the the possibility of new policies aimed at curbing greenhouse gas emissions as an impediment to investments in coal-fired generators. And The Hill reports employers expecting average employee raises of 3.4% this year, a survey. Employers are expecting employee rate pay raise employee pay to rise by an average of 3.4% in 2022, according to a Willis Towers Watson survey. The survey of 1,004 U.S. companies from October to November found companies budgeted for a 3.4% raise up from the average 3% increase employers expected to give in 2022 in June of last year. The expected uptick comes as employers face a competitive market for workers. 74% said the tight labor market was the reason for the increase. 34% say they had better financial results at the end of 2021 than expected, and 31% cited inflation. The inflation rate is about 7%, so this isn't much of a raise. The Blaze reports Seattle police won't enforce certain traffic violations any longer over racism and equity concerns, but some cops fear new rules will embolden criminals. That really worked in San Francisco, by the way. And LifeSite reports last Irish seminary welcomes gay former prime minister whose abortion laws killed thousands. Ireland's pro-abortion and actively homosexual former prime minister who will take over his old job again this year was given a special tour of the country's pontifical university and last remaining Catholic seminary. Leo Varadkar, who as prime minister in 2018 campaigned for and passed abortion legislation that has killed over 13,000 unborn babies to date, was publicly welcomed and introduced to aspiring clerics at the National Seminary in Maynooth County, Kildare, last week by Father Michael Mullaney, president of St. Patrick's Pontifical University. Mullaney, who did not respond to LifeSite's questions about whether the politician's stance on abortion or homosexual so-called marriage was challenged during the visit, previously honored Irish President Michael D. Higgins at a 2018 Christmas concert in the seminary on the night before the head of the state signed Varadkar's cruel abortion law bill into law. St. Patrick's announced last October that only four men had joined the country's last diocesan seminary in 2021 in what is believed to be the lowest number since its foundation in 1795. With only 26 men now in seminary for the entire island's 6.9 million inhabitants and the Archdiocese of Dublin presently lacking any future priests, the decline of Catholicism in Ireland appears to be hastening. No less than eight diocesan seminaries have closed in Ireland since 1993 due to the steady erosion of the Catholic faith and vocations across the island. And those were your headline moves this morning. God love you. Praise be to God in all things. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. Joining us now... Uh, here in the studio, which is a rare treat for us, by the way, to have guests in the studios, Claire Alarud. She is the Catholic Rose over on YouTube. Good morning to you, Claire. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to you. Did you get a chance to go back to uh, Boston, your, your hometown? I did, yes, for Christmas. That was beautiful. How was it? Mm-hmm. It was great. They just got a nice, fresh um, snowfall, so that was no beautiful. No kidding. Mm-hmm. Praise be to yes. God. How cold did it get while you were there? 
Um, not too cold, about 30, but my dad was up there. He's actually in New Hampshire this past weekend, and it was about negative 20. Negative so. <laughs> 20. Those are the good days. Yes, good days indeed. Yeah, people are driving their trucks on the ice already? Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. mm-hmm, for sure. Freaked me out the first time I saw that. Yeah, of course. Like, why are, Big, like, heavy trucks on the why ice. Why are we driving cars on top <laughs> lake. of lakes? It doesn't mm-hmm. make sense, but yeah. it's safe. It happens. It is safe, Yeah, yes. praise God. So uh, let's talk about veiling. Um, yes. Uh, the, the women veiling. I see that it's a trend. It seems mm-hmm. like it's picking up more and it more is. people. Uh, even at uh, you know your typical suburban Catholic parish, mm-hmm. you're starting to see more and more ladies put veils on. Let's start with what is the uh, tradition of veiling in the church? Sure. Yeah. So for the tradition of um, Catholic anything in the liturgy or anything, um, anything that is beautiful, sacred, and life giving is veiled. Um, so you might see at the mass, even at some churches, the tabernacle will be veiled. Um, some of the chalices or things the priests use will be veiled because they're beautiful, sacred, and life-giving. Um, and so in the same way, um, a woman is also beautiful, sacred, and life-giving. So she also veils herself. And do you, is there a sense of how far back this goes in tradition? Um, for sure. Always already into the Jewish tradition. Mm. Um, I actually know someone who was Jewish and converted to the Catholic faith, and she actually found that veiling was a beautiful uh, thing for her because she was already doing it in the Jewish faith. And as Catholics, we're completed Jews, so we just continue that tradition. So she probably felt kind of odd not veiling. For sure. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yes. Interesting. Yeah. Do you remember, you, you must have watched The Passion of the Christ. I did, yes. Do you, I mean, Our Lady veiled. Uh, yes, exactly. She's always depicted mm-hmm. as veiled, right? Yeah. Um, there was the one scene of uh, Mary Magdalene who took off her veil to soak up the blood of our mm-hmm. Lord. Yeah. That was a powerful scene that was, all yeah. the same. But she went back and veiled again at the foot of the cross in that movie. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it was very intentional and beautiful, yeah. actually. No, it's very interesting to watch the history of just um, the human people in general that, like, traditionally, like, hats or coverings was very traditional for any walks of life, mm-hmm. um, any culture, anything else like that. We're veiling your head. It's only in today's tradition that we don't really wear hats or veil ourselves. It's kind of a new new era we're in right now. Yeah, that's an interesting point to bring up about like the uh, hat culture. Mm-hmm. I mean, it used to be. Oh yeah, very Adrian, you common. love hats. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I started wearing hats. <laughs> yeah. And the and the thing interesting thing about it is hat culture used to be very very prevalent throughout mm-hmm. all of history. Head covering was always a thing in nearly every single culture. Um, but the the important thing was, and then the radical thing of the of the Jewish faith and the Catholic faith was when St. Paul said that women have to veil in front of the presence of our Lord and that men could not veil. You're, mm-hmm. They are forbidden to veil. So, you know, men wear hats, they walk around, but when you enter a church, the men would have to take off their caps when they yeah. enter the and church. it's interesting nowadays that it is still well known that when a man enters a church, you do remove your hat or in a sign of preference, you remove your hat. But for women, kind of nothing kind of happens there. It's very interesting. Mm. Now, did you grow up veiling? Uh, well, I didn't even grow up Catholic, so <laughs> no, I did not. <laughs> so uh, how was the process for you going uh, yeah. through that? That's a know? great question. Yeah, so in middle school is when I became Catholic um, through my parents' divorce and trauma and heartache. Uh, we came back to the Catholic faith, my family, and then it was in college that I started praying the rosary every day for Lent, um, drastically converted my life and changed me um, completely to be um, just fell in love with Our Lady and accepted her as my mother. Um, she started bringing me to daily Mass and weekly confession. Um, and then through that, I just felt a tugging in my heart to start veiling. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't even really know anyone at my parish or at my college who did veil, but I would see videos. And I don't know, it just was a constant, I think it was really Our Lady calling me to be more like her, um, yeah. to veil. And then it wouldn't be until 
uh, my junior year of college where I went to SEEK, the huge Catholic um, conference for young adult college students mm -hmm. that draws in like 13,000 Catholic college kids. It was in San Antonio, the one I went to. Um, amazing, amazing conference. Love it. And I saw a lot of girls veiling. Um, and I would just run up to them and ask them, hey, like, why do you veil? Like, what? why do you feel God calling you to veil? And they would have all these beautiful stories and testimonies of how um, they just felt it in prayer to start veiling and then how they love it veiling. And it just inspired me. Um, and, you know, the hardest step is to go out and buy your first veil because um, one is it, it can be investment yeah. um, on Amazon that you can get it for like 20 bucks or something. But you're like, is that even a good one? I don't know. Um, so, you know, as a woman trying to find the right veil and then, you know, the concept as well, because like, you know, in the Roman Catholic Church, veiling is like a mantilla or kind of like a lacy veil. And I was always struggling early on, like, OK, well, that's actually covering like all my hair, you know, because you kind of see through it. So do you wear more like just a scarf or something? Which is interesting because some uh, Latin Mass parishes or other parishes, especially like the Eastern Rite, women will veil their heads with a scarf mm -hmm. or some solid fabric. Um, and so I was trying to learn more about like the lace kind of covering, um, which then of course I did fall in love with. Um, and what happened actually was I was doing a skit for a high school retreat back home in Boston. Mm -hmm. And we were doing on adoration and teaching the kids like, different ways of, you know, praying in adoration. You know, people like to lay down prostrate. People like to kneel. Uh, and I was like, you know what? Maybe I can show the kids veiling. And I didn't even veil myself, but I was like, let's do that. And so I bought the chapel veil online for the skit, right? Mm -hmm. And then we actually ended up either not doing that skit or something. And so then I was asking God, I was like, okay, Lord, now I have a chapel veil. <laughs> what do you want me to do with this? You know, now I have it for the skit. I'm not using it for the skit. I was like, okay, is this my moment to start veiling? And it was actually within those two weeks, I actually moved down to Texas for my job. And when I moved down here, the parish I went to, um, you know, Texas, we have mega churches here, honestly. Like, there's a lot of people at these parishes. Yeah. But the one I ended up going to, uh, half the people there, I felt, were all veiling. And I was like, whoa, this is great. So I, it, for me, it was an easy, um, uh, I guess, conversion to start veiling and mm -hmm. kind of um, do that. And I haven't stopped since. Have so. you been in situations where you're like the only yes. lady in yes. the room? And so, yes, do you feel odd sure. when that happens? So what happened was then I would go home on vacation back to uh, Boston, back to Massachusetts, where yeah. it's not as common. Um, and I was like, okay, this is the moment of truth. Like, let's see how this goes wearing it. And yeah, it was hard at first just because like, you know, the point of veiling is not to draw attention to yourself, right? Some people will judge it or say like, oh, she wants to be pious or holier than thou or whatever. And that's not the point, right? The point of veiling is to, um, you know, cover yourself, but to be that truth, that sacred vessel of Catholic tradition. Um, and there's so many other reasons women like to veil. Um, I know some people like to veil because, you know, you're focusing on your prayer because your, your peripherals are kind of covered or veiled. And so you're just focusing on our Lord. Um, and for, actually, you know what, for me, another reason I love to veil is as a youth minister, that's what I do. Uh, when we go to retreats, just like this past weekend, we did our confirmation retreat. We'll do our masses in like big rooms and auditorium style where it's not like a church, right? Because you're off on a retreat and we don't have these places. But when the ladies, when the women start veiling, you know you're entering into a sacred place, right? You're entering into a good place. Yeah. Hold that thought. Hold that for thought. Sure. Claire Allerud is our guest. She is the Catholic Rose over on YouTube. Check her out. We'll link to it, of course. The Catholic Rose over on YouTube, but we're going to talk about more about bailing coming up right after this break. Maybe some pro-level tips, all of that, and more coming up in just a minute. Share us with a friend. We'll be right back. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. 
Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. What do quasi-Christian sects like Jehovah's Witnesses and Star Wars have in common? They all talk about a force. For these sects, the impersonal force is the Holy Spirit. They believe this because in John 14, 26, the Greek word for spirit, pneuma, is neuter, as opposed to personal terms like father and son. So, how do we respond? Well, first, if we hold to this line of reasoning, we're going to have to say God himself is an impersonal force because he's referred to as spirit in John 4, 24. But these sects wouldn't want to make that conclusion. Second, the verse that's used in the objection says of the Holy Spirit, He will teach you all things. Folks, impersonal forces don't teach. So the Holy Spirit is not some impersonal force. He's a person that we can have a relationship with. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Jesus Christ, welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Claire Allerud is our guest, The Catholic Rose on YouTube. Check her out there if you can. We'll, we'll put a link in this video when we post ours as well. But we're talking about veiling and why women veil. Uh, welcome back to the show and good morning to you again, Claire. Thank you. Thank you, Joe. Now, I think there are, there's probably a good segment of women. And I'm curious if you've ever run across these women that might feel threatened by the veil and might see it in from the perspective of feminism or maybe an attack on feminism. Have you ever experienced that? Um, I haven't, actually. The Praise only God. thing I would have was actually maybe a priest back home. I think he saw me veiling um, and kind of like judged me in a different way. And it was also with communion on the tongue. So he was kind of like, it was a whole package deal. He was a little <laughs> <laughs> uh, But I think, I think it was the, the outward sign of the veil that kind of made him yeah. kind of come at me a little bit more. But that's the only issue I've ever had. So, yeah, I don't know. For women in general, I think... So the roadblocks that you've... Uh, have you seen... Ro- have you encountered women with certain roadblocks and what might they be? No, actually. I that's don't know. Good. Maybe I'm just strong with positive good women. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So, yeah. It's, it's interesting, yeah. though, yeah. because, you know, I've seen... You mentioned uh, earlier that you know buying the veil for the first time is kind of mm-hmm. a it's a difficult thing yes. to do so for mm-hmm. a lot of for a lot of women. And I know one time uh, when I was at the University of St. Thomas, I went and bought a stack of veils. Nice, yes. And I just I started handing them out to all the ladies. <laughs> You're a guy, dude. <laughs> <laughs> and, okay. Uh, and so and so the uh, yeah. they were there, and I gave it to all these ladies, and they they were like, "Oh my goodness, can I have one so too? Excited. Can I have one?" Yeah, yeah. And so, so everybody wanted one, and they started wearing it because someone had gifted it to them. Mm-hmm. Otherwise. They they would never have bought one. Yes. So what I do, yes, for sure. Actually, at my parish and just wherever I go, I always have extra veils. Um, and you'll always be surprised about the different people, walks of life. They'll either get one for their daughter or their grandmother. Or they're like, wow, like I'm from Mexico. We used to always veil. Um, so, yeah, I always buy a lot. And you can buy them. I know maybe Amazon's controversial or whatever, but that's where you can get bulk cheap ones. And there's also another website. Um, I forget what it's called, but you can get 
Chapel Veils for $5. Yes, that's where I got it. Yeah, what's it? I'm forgetting the name of it. Okay. I can look you it can up. You can easily Google it. it. Yes. Um, but, but then there's maybe, other beautiful ones. Maybe yeah. they should invest in something nicer as they go. They should. Yes. Yeah. yeah if you so. want a cheap starter one, 5 bucks, that's great. Um, but yeah, they can go, you know, $20. The one I have is maybe like $30. Um, I actually got it at Mother Angelica's Shrine. Oh, wow. Um, which is beautiful. Veil yeah. by Tradition. Veil so, by Tradition. Yeah, for 5 bucks. Bulk, you can get them on bulk. Our, our friend of the show, Amber uh, Carey, over on uh, watching us this morning on Odyssey, asks, is there any requirements on color or size? Oh, that's always a great question. Um, no. I mean, nowadays you can wear whatever color you want. I know some ladies like to wear it for the traditional colors. I mean, maybe it's a season of, um, uh, I mean, maybe it's a martyr. You wear red or something. But uh, for usually it's young virgin woman, you wear white. And then if you're married, you would wear black. Or is yesterday. Is because the married women are mourning? I think it's I think it's like, you know, (laughs) no, no, no. I think it's kind of just like, you know, a priest when he's ordained, he wears black because it's a sign of death. Just like a woman. She is now dead to other (laughs) men in a sense. (laughs) Right. She's chosen. She's chosen her (laughs) one man. Uh, She wears black. She's off off the table. Uh, But even like yesterday, I went to a funeral mass and you can wear black for that occasion as well. Um, what and uh, we had another listener ask us a question. Joe over on YouTube says, "What is the significance of the colors of veils? Is it seasonal, or does the black veil represent mourning?" So we already talked about the black, but what about going with liturgical colors? Yeah, so there's a few women who like to do liturgical colors. Of course, that would cost more money to get the different colors. Yeah. <laughs> I just stick with white. Um, but yeah, I have some friends, or a lot of people love Our Lady's color of blue. So maybe you get a navy color or a light blue or maybe or a more aqua color. I've seen that a lot too. So the common colors are white, black, and blue. Um, you know, what mm-hmm. about the, you know, a lot of people, we were bringing this up a couple of days ago, and people were asking, well, what about other things? Are you allowed to wear hats? Are you allowed to wear mm-hmm. uh, other kind of, or is it veiling or that chapel veil is the only thing you're allowed to wear? Yeah, so when I was um, visiting back home in Boston, or even maybe my senior year, I started veiling a little bit. Um, I would wear, because it's freezing out, you might even be wearing snow pants and like a snow coat. Uh, <laughs> I would wear on occasion, if I forgot my chapel veil or something, like your hat. Uh, to mass and stuff, you know, because you're still veiling your hair. Um, and yeah, I don't know. You can wear that. But I think traditionally you usually wear the chapel veil. Or like I said, you can wear a scarf or something like mm. that, which is still um, reverent and beautiful. And so, I know in the U.S. it was common uh, to wear hats up until like a nice, like almost like a sun yes. hat kind of thing. And you've heard like the and Easter hats. Or, yes, exactly. You know, in England you see the royalty wearing their little hats and stuff. Yes, that's all yeah. Catholic tradition. And there. that was uh, the reason why we came, uh, became traditional to wear a mantilla in America is actually because of Jackie Kennedy. She would wear a I black yes. mantilla mm-hmm. and everyone was like, oh, my gosh, that looks so pretty. <laughs> and so yeah. all the ladies wanted to copy Jackie Kennedy. And so that's where mantillas mm-hmm. became popular in the U.S. Yeah. Let's talk about wearing the when to wear the veil, when it would be appropriate mm. to wear the veil. Oh, and great maybe question. when it might not be. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So it's always when you're in the presence of our Lord. So adoration, when you walk into a church and the tabernacle is there, the red light is there, the sanctuary lamp. Um, that is when you wear it because now focus becomes not on the woman who is a beautiful creature. It's actually on God in the tabernacle or in the monstrance. Um, yeah, a lot of people get confused. They think, oh, I'll not wear it at church and then I'll wear it when mass starts and then take it off when mass ends. No, it's actually always when you're in the presence of our Lord um, so that your focus, anyone else's focus can be on Jesus. Yeah. Claire, uh, I wanted to go back to something you mentioned before. Mm-hmm. Um you know, what would you advise to a woman who's on the fence about veiling? I, I, I have actually heard a lot of experiences, I mean, through my wife, friends of yeah. my wife, et, et cetera, who 
have wanted to take on the veil, but they feel as if, you know, it's it's something, uh, you know, they're going to get too much attention on yes, them. Yes, that was my or, concern, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they, they don't completely understand or they have an experience like you, you like you yeah. had with a priest where it's, you know, a negative sort of attention. For sure, uh, yeah. What would you advise? What kind of advice would you give to a woman who's on the fence? Um, pray to Our Lady. Ask Our Lady for the grace. Um, you know, if it's Our Lord's will for you, he'll make it clear. Um, so take it to prayer. Uh, and also remember, like, the beauty of our Catholic faith. Like, don't let others' thoughts or opinions kind of prevent you from from living out the true, authentic Catholic faith that we have in our church. Um, really, if you are the starting one at your church, it's going to be a ripple effect. You know, there's another young girl out there. There's another woman who also wishes to veil probably, and you can be that first impression for her. Um, and yeah, to bring back that beautiful tradition. June over on Facebook says, I love that my wife, Isabel, veils. And Brooks over on YouTube asks, how much do you cover when you wear a veil? Is there a, like a requirement oh, of the amount of so real usually, estate that gets covered? That's a great question. Usually it's um, to cover just all your hair. Um, so I guess if you have longer hair, you would get a longer veil. If you have shorter hair, you would have a shorter veil. Um, but most chapel veils go right to you know the shoulder length kind of. So that's the, so- the size you kind of buy. So yeah. not particularly. Um, yeah. Now, Jews, uh, they would have a prayer shawl, even for guys. They'd yes, put them on their head. So why don't men veil? Oh, that's a good question. I think it goes back to what Adrian was saying in the Bible. Men, when you enter the sanctuary, you remove your hat yeah. for prayer. And for a woman, you would cover your head uh, for prayer, which then again shows the beauty f- between masculinity and femininity. That there is a difference between man and woman, which is, you know, on attack in society today. So this is another way we yeah. can remember the beauty of femininity. Yeah, even St. Mm-hmm. Paul talks about that, right? Yeah. Um, what about uh, husbands and wives? And so what if there's uh, a guy out there who's who wants to encourage his wife to consider veiling, how might he go about that? Pray for without, her. Without, I would say pray for her. Without having to sleep on the, <laughs> the couch for a week. Yeah, that's a great question. I would say first pray for her, um, you know, and then look at why he would like that. Because um, it would all be about communication. Like, yeah, I don't know. Do you think a man should bring this up to his spouse? That or might do you be think a touchy she, topic. Or do you think he should allow her to? <laughs> well, first off, I would love to say I would be very excited for the man who wants that because that shows that he maybe yeah. is a spiritual leader for his family. So yeah. go for him. Like that's awesome that he is already thinking that mindset. Yeah. Um, and so if he already is a spiritual leader for his family, I think his wife would already be excited to mm-hmm. veil. Um, but usually. What I have noticed in in circles and stuff is usually the woman who first wants to start failing. Um, yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, I know a couple <laughs> yeah. of my friends. They're they are wanting their girlfriends to veil. Okay. And they, uh, and I was there like, how do I get? You my ask them to why. Veil? I'm always curious why. There's yeah. a lot of reasons, but why would they? <laughs> right. So I mean, one is the is because the Bible says so. Okay. Uh, or the two, beautiful tradition. And yeah. two, the the tradition of the church is that manner. And three is there's also just something. There's something so feminine about mm, having yes. seeing a woman in a veil. It's just it just exudes the imitation of the it's blessed the Virgin Mary. It's the natural truth, almost. Exactly, yeah, it's, kinda, it's this natural beauty yeah. that happens. That is true, there. and mm-hmm. I think that's very special. And so, what what I always recommend to people is, I was like, well, one, pray for them. Two, buy them a veil. Don't like force <laughs> it on them, but just say, hey, I bought you this, uh, and just <laughs> give it to them. Yeah. And they they know exactly what you're saying. But yeah. I mean, now they have the opportunity, so they can make an easy yes. Whereas otherwise, mm-hmm. you have. If they say, you know, maybe I will start veiling. Well, now they're like, okay, now I got to pick out a veil. That could take three weeks for me to decide which veil I should get. Yeah. Yeah. And that's uh, another point, too, actually, for women, just to dig down deep and think about it. Like, why are you choosing not to veil? Usually it comes back to feminism or 
um, different kind of hang-ups we have in our heart that society has kind of like brainwashed us with, I think. Um, so you just kind of have to root that out. And really what it's through is through the prayer of the rosary, through our Blessed Mother, just purifying those intentions and kind of bringing to light, like, why am I veiling? Oh, yeah, it's because I'm, I'm in the presence of our Lord, and I want all attention to Him, and I want everyone to focus on Jesus in adoration, in Mass. Um, and so this is why I choose to veil, um, not for anyone else or anything else like that. It's because our Lord has placed it on my heart, and that's what um, he wishes. So do you, I mean, I, I think I see a trend here where more and more ladies are veiling. Do you see that? Oh, for sure. Yes. Yes. Yeah. As our church keeps growing, I think the Holy Spirit keeps bringing us to um, the beautiful fruits of our tradition. And one of those things is chapel veils. Um, yeah. Yes, I see it a lot. So uh, do, is this part of like, do you have this conversation with your teens as, as a youth minister? Great question. Um, we do not at the beginning of the year, just because, you know, we want, we first teach them about we have rough high school kids, Joe. <laughs> we, we, a lot of our kids are struggling okay, spiritually. I'm a parent. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. How rough could they be? I don't They're know. pretty rough. Uh, so we start them with the basics. Uh, confession is always the first thing. Then we bring them to Our Lady. And so it's usually, you know, actually, it's more in the springtime. We could start bringing it up. So we haven't even brought it to our kids yet. Okay. We've already been on two retreats with them the fall wow. and the confirmation. But I bring the chapel veils to them, I show them as an option. And especially as our leaders, like myself and some of our other young adults, all veiling they naturally are inclined to it. Like, honestly, half the girls at my retreat are already veiling. And we haven't even talked about it yet. So we'll talk about it in the spring. Uh, but we talk about sacredness, tradition, and the Mass. All right. So, yeah. Praise be to God. Claire mm-hmm. Allerud, the Catholic Rose. Thank you for your time today. Thank you for having me. God love God you and God bless you. Amen. That Amen. is going to do it for hour number one of Catholic Drive Time. Thanks for joining us today. We're very grateful to have had you on the program. And uh, we'd love to have you hanging out with us for the next hour if you are able to. You can always watch us live on our website at grnonline.com forward slash cdt, where we will have good news, Saint of the Day, Gospel Day, and our game show and prizes are at stake, plus an after show all coming your way for those that can join. Otherwise, we'll see you back here tomorrow morning. God bless you. God love you. Have a great day. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. As a Catholic single, imagine walking up to that pretty lady and saying, Hey, you, get out of my dreams and into my 2022 Midnight Black GLA 250. Well, the GRN has given you a chance to make that dream a reality. Between now and February 21st, go to grnonline.com, buy five tickets for $100 or $25 for one, and let her come to you. Father John Bartunik, in his book, The Better Part, wrote, Gratitude is one of the most beautiful flowers in the whole garden of virtues. It directly contradicts self-centeredness, 
self-indulgence, and self-absorption. It builds bridges, unites communities, and softens hearts. It encourages and inspires. It cuts through discouragement and counteracts depression. It opens the soul to the truth and releases anxiety. It brings smiles and gladness wherever it blooms. What a pity that it is as rare as it is lovely. When was the last time you were truly grateful to our Lord for the spouse He has given to you? When was the last time that you told your spouse you are very grateful for him or her? Gratitude goes a long way in healing wounds. Give it a try. Go home today and tell your spouse how grateful to God you are that he or she married you. This has been a minute for your marriage and family from the Three Hearts Institute. You can connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Your Odyssey begins at the University of Dallas, the premier Catholic liberal arts university in Texas. With campuses in Irving and Italy, UD's rigorous core curriculum sets it apart. An education rooted in the great works of Catholic and Western tradition. An education that ennobles and enables students in their pursuit of wisdom, truth, and virtue. Undergraduate, graduate, and certificate programs available. Start your college odyssey at the University of Dallas today. Go to udallas.edu to learn more. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God, we ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. It is Wednesday, January the 19th, 2022. And by the grace of God, you are halfway there to your weekend. So just take a deep breath. It's going to be great. You still have lots of opportunity this week before you are forced to relax on your weekend <laughs> and do uh, more fun things, I suppose. You still get to do your work. So it's, uh, it's going to be a good day. We're going to have a good news story coming up in just a moment. Plus, we'll have Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day. We'll play our game show, Fear and Trembling. And that's coming up at 15 past the hour. Prizes are at stake. You could win. It's a lot of fun. But speaking of winning, uh, the car raffle is well underway at this point, And some lucky Catholic radio listener will drive away in a brand new 2022 GLA 250 a night black uh, Mercedes. Could be you. All you need to do is go to the website to get the details, purchase your raffle tickets, just go to grnonline.com and just scroll down to you see the Mercedes. Click on that and you'll get everything you need there. But if you really want to 10X that and be a great support for Catholic Radio right where you are, then call your local station manager and ask them what is the best way to not only get raffle tickets but to support the cause because we take the proceeds and we keep that radio station that you're listening to right now on the air. So it's a fantastic way to be all in for Catholic Radio. Again, go to grnonline.com, and if you have your your, your your location services enabled on your web browser, it'll show you who your local station manager is and give you their phone number, their email, and all of that. So go to grnonline.com. Good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. Does your wife fail? She does. 
Yeah. She does now, yes. Great conversation last hour. I agree. It's really beautiful to see women veiled in, in the mass, you yeah. know, to, to veil themselves for God. That's incredible. Yeah, we'll be posting that conversation with Claire Allarud, the Catholic Rose, to our social media sites. Uh, so be sure to tune in and subscribe. Hit the thumb up if you're on YouTube, I guess. That's the best thing you could do for us right now. But uh, we'll be posting that conversation later today. Speaking of veiled, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Um, speaking of veiled, interesting, interesting transition. Uh, well, you know, despite the fact that I'm veiled with this hat today, uh, it is still good to be here. Praise veiled be to God. in the love of God. Veiled in the love of God. There yeah. you go. You know, it's that's actually incredibly inappropriate to wear hats indoors, but I do it anyways. I know. Because it's just, I don't want to comb my hair. That's really yeah. what it is. Yeah, that's don't tell that only to the reason. army, though. Well, oh, so th there's actually, uh, there's not enough time to get into this, but there's a whole, I read, I, I was reading up on hat Rabbit etiquette, holes. but military is actually one of the exceptions to the rules of hats. They yeah. get, they get exceptions. So do clergy. So that's why uh, clergymen can wear berettas yeah. uh, when they're in the church, but right. men in general can't. So there's, there's exceptions. I, wow. I, my son once long, long time ago, I had a, uh, one of my sons wore a hat into church, into mass. And wore it, all they the tackled way, them. wore it all the way up to the altar rail. <laughs> and I never paid attention. I, like, wasn't paying attention. Did you slap it out of I, his head? No, yeah. until what I was totally clueless, I guess, because I wasn't paying attention. And Father's like, take off your hat, you know? Whoa. And I was like, whoa. It startled me. And I'm like, how did my son have a hat on his head in church? How did this happen? Where did this hat come from? Who's in charge of this kid? <laughs> oh, I am. Darn it. All right. Anyway, we're going to have a great hour this hour. It's going to be a lot of fun. As I said, good news coming your way here in just one moment. But uh, let's pray for the conversion of sinners around the world. Let's pray for a restoration to the fidelity and the traditions and patrimony of Holy Mother Church, uh, that she might uh, see to her mission to convert sinners on planet Earth while there is yet time to do so. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now your good news with Rudy Carlos. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Rudy Carlos here, and now your good news story for the day. The Blaze reports Good Samaritan nurse jumps into action to save wounded police officer following shooting attack. I was meant to be there, she says. An extraordinary brave traveling nurse leapt into immediate action Thursday night when she witnessed an attack on what turned out to be an off-duty detective. Traveling nurse Lindsay Adams told WTMJ-TV that she arrived at a Milwaukee-area Shake Shack to pick up her food when she saw two people struggling inside the restaurant. Suddenly, the nurse said she heard a gunshot, which set off panic both inside and outside of the store. I hear a gunshot. Everybody's screaming, jumping over the counters in Shake Shack. I ducked down behind a car, Adams recalled. More gunshots rang out before she saw a suspect firing into the air as he ran outside and took off in a waiting car. As he's running, just firing a whole bunch of shots in the air out into the public, he really didn't care where they were going, she said. Adams said she knew she had to rush in to help the officer, who witnesses say tried to stop the suspect from mugging a woman inside the restaurant. And it was God's plan that put her in that moment to save his life. I knew I had to do something. He's just laying there and I could see he's bleeding. He's got wounds. He's suffering, she said. 
Adams told WITI-TV that she was completely frightened and completely terrified, but she knew she had no choice but to help the officer. Adams, along with the restaurant's manager, applied pressure to the officer's wounds while employees called 911 to report an officer down. The nurse said that though the officer was grievously injured, he was only concerned about getting the dangerous suspect off the streets. He knew I had to hold pressure on the wounds. He wanted me to pull my phone out so I could put all all this in my notes, she recalled. It's a sign for me that God's telling me to be that there was a purpose for me and it was something that I was meant to do, but I was meant to be there. The detective, who remains unnamed at the time, was said to have sustained life-threatening injuries but was listed in stable condition upon admission. WITI reported the authorities were able to make to take two males ages 17 and 18 years old into custody in connection with the incident. No charges have been announced at the time of this reporting. Adams said that despite horrible things happening in the world, people are good and she believes good will win out. Don't give up on your city. Don't give up on your people. People are good, regardless if bad situations happen. We still have so many, so, so many more good than bad, Adams insisted. And that's God's providence right there. God put her in that situation to help this officer. And that is really good news. God love you. The saint of the day is Saint Philon, who is a old Irish saint. So... Let's have fun with these names. He was born in the 8th century, or the 7th century rather, St. Philon of Munster, the son of Firach, grandson of Chalak, and Qualon, king of Leinster, received the monastic habit at the Abbey of Fintan of Tachmon in Wexford and came to Scotland from Ireland in 717 as a hermit along with his Irish princess mother, St. Contingerna, and his Irish prince uncle, St. Comgon. A story is told that when St. Philon was plowing the fields near Achillon, a wolf took the life of the ox, and thus Philon could not continue. So he put the, the yoke on of the ox onto the wolf, and the wolf did the work of the ox for him. And this refers back to the origins of Philon's name, which is wolf. St. Philon was credited with powers such as the healing of the sick and also possessed a luminous glow from the left arm, which he used to study and copy sacred scripture in the dark. He died January 19th in the 8th century. St. Philon, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Mark chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Jesus entered the synagogue. There was a man there who had a withered hand. They watched Jesus closely to see if he would cure him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. He said to the man with the withered hand, Come up here before us. Then he said to the Pharisees, Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath rather than to do evil, to save life rather than to destroy it? But they remained silent, looking around at them with anger and grieved at their hardness of heart. Jesus said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately took counsel with the Herodians against him to put him to death. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, the Venerable Bede would say, but mystically the man with the withered hand shows the human race dried up to its uh, fruitfulness in good works, but now cured by the mercy of the Lord, the hand of man, which in our first parent had been dried up when he plucked the fruit of the forbidden tree.
Through the grace of the Redeemer who stretched his guiltless hands on the tree of the cross has been restored to health by the juices of good works. Well, too, was it in the synagogue that he that the hand was withered, for where the gift of knowledge is greater, there also the danger of inexcusable guilt is greater. Close quote. Venerable Bede, pray for us. Adrian, what did you find? Yes, there's a lot of things that Cornelius Lapide talked about. And instead of talking about the Sabbath, which we talked a little bit about yesterday, I'll come back to that if I have time. But the one thing that is incredibly important that most people will overlook here is the fact that our Lord here was angry. And yes, he is angry. Is anger bad? It says looking around at them with anger. So our Lord looked at the Pharisees with anger. So what does this mean? So uh, Cornelius Lapide says that Christ, whenever he is angry, it springs up not the same way that men are angry, because when men are angry in general, it's because of a self-love. They get angry due to self-love. But when Christ is angry, it's because of his love of God, his perfect love of God. And so anger is actually a good thing when it's ordered correctly. So Cornelius Lapide goes on to talk about that the fact that anger is a passion in us, but in Christ, it was an action. And so it wasn't just that our Lord is standing there and just boiling up with anger and then blows up. But no, our Lord deliberately chose to be angry. Cornelius Lapide says, when it has arisen in us, it disturbs the other faculties of the body and mind, nor can it be repressed at our own pleasure. But when stirred up in Christ, it acts as he, as he wills it to act. It disturbs nothing and find it ceases when he wills it to cease. This is important because the gospel is giving us an example of how we are to be angry because it is St. Thomas talks about to not be angry at sin is to, is, is to commit a sin itself. And so whenever our Lord here is talking about the Sabbath, he is getting angry because of the callousness of their hearts, not because they did something evil on a Sunday, on, a, on the Sabbath, but instead because they failed to do something good on the Sabbath. And Cornelius Lapide goes back, so I said I wasn't going to talk about the Sabbath, but I'm going to talk about the Sabbath. Uh, he says here that the, that the fact, if you fail to do good on a Sunday, when you have the opportunity to do good on a Sunday, that in itself is an evil. You're committing an evil by not doing what is good when it's available to you on the Sabbath. And that goes back to our Lord healing the withered man. But finally, going on to talk about here, the, whenever our Cornelius Lapide says here, the hardness of her heart, condoling with them and commensurating with them because being blinded and hardened by envy and hatred, they would not acknowledge him to be the Messiah, but spake evil of his kindness to the sick upon the Sabbath days. It is meant, therefore, that the anger of Jesus did not proceed from the desire of vengeance, but was mingled with pity. And that Jesus was angry with sin, but sorry for sinners. And so much as he loved them and strove to save them. Lastly, all such anger is mingled with sorrow. For he that is angry grieves for the evil at which he is angry. Thus the sorrow for the evil causes and sharpens the anger that it may strive to remove the evil at which it grieved. That last line, very, very important. The sorrow for the evil causes and sharpens the anger. And what is that anger directed towards? It's not directed towards blowing up on your family, yelling at your spouse, yelling at your kids, yelling at your siblings or whoever you're with. It's not directed towards that. Instead, 
the sorrow that you have because there is evil committed, because our Lord is being offended. We all think constantly about how the fact that our neighbor of sin against our neighbor, but what about the sins against God? Our sorrow for sins against God should cause and sharpen our anger to do what? To make us to strive to remove the evil at which it is grieved. So we should, our anger should direct us, should move us to try to stop the evil that is being committed against God out of love of God. Amen. Praise be to God. Cornelius Alapade. Uh, can we put him in our head, Ken? Pray for us. Pray. I, yeah. <laughs> Ouch. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Anyway, thank you, Cornelius Lapide. Thank you, Adrian, for that great reflection there. Uh, we are going to say it's time to play our game, Fear and Trembling. We're going to go to a break. We're going to come back, and we are going to take our first caller and have a great time, a laugh or two, and learn some things. And you could win some prizes. All you need to do is make that phone call. And the phone lines are open and available to you right now at 877-757-9424. That's 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. Phone lines are open. Call now. Let's play the game. It's coming up next. Fear and Trembling is up next. We'll be right back. We all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder. Yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God and a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, we'd like to invite you home. Discover more at catholicscomehome.org. Protestants like to use James 2, 10 through 11 against the Catholic doctrine of mortal and venial sin. Because James says, whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. But James can't be denying the doctrine of mortal and venial sin because in 1.15 he affirms it, saying that sin in its beginning stages doesn't bring death, venial sin, whereas it does in its more mature stages, mortal sin. The point James is making in James 2, 10 through 11 is that we must keep all the commandments in order to avoid incurring the guilt of transgressing the law. We can't say to the Lord on Judgment Day, Lord, I only broke one commandment but kept the other nine. So James 2, 10 through 11 is simply a misfire in trying to take down the Catholic belief of mortal and venial sin. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. For 2,000 years, we've helped the poor and comforted the sick. We've educated generations of children, developed the scientific method and college system. We support marriage and human life. Guided by the Holy Spirit, we compiled the Bible. We are the Catholic Church. With over one billion in our family, sharing in the fullness of Christian faith in the church started by Jesus. If you've been away, visit catholicscomehome.org today. Welcome home. Welcome to another round of Fear and Trembling, (laughs) the Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot, 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling. The Catholic Trivia Game Show where we have a secret and hidden 
agenda. So please do me a favor and don't tell anybody about my secrets or my agendas. All right? That's the deal. That's the only way I'll tell you. But first, we do need a phone call. Phone lines are open, 877-757-9424. They crashed a minute ago, so if you tried to call, call back, 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. One more time, 877-757-9424 is the phone number to call. But here is the deal. All right. As long as you don't tell anybody, I'll tell you. Number one, we like to teach the faith. So we look for teachable moments in the questions where you might learn something about your Catholic faith that you did not know before. That's a good thing, right? Praise be to God. And then, of course, we like to have a laugh. We like to have fun. And our contestants tend to be a very good time. They're great sports. They laugh with us. And we always enjoy that part. And then, of course, we like to give out prizes, which means it's a winner for everybody involved. But here's the deal. If you're new here, uh, let me just share this with you. It's possible for our caller to not know a single correct answer and still win the game. And the reason why is because instead of asking them these trivia questions, I will ask Rudy and I will ask Adrian, one of which will be correct and the other will be incorrect. And then the caller will have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Whom do they trust more, Rudy or Adrian? And then every correct answer goes into the coffee cup of Divine Providence to win this week's prize. Rudy, what could they win? Well, this week, the sponsor of our game show is St. Wave, and they're based out of D.C. St. Wave is a one-man operation, created and run by a convert to the Catholic faith, sometimes influenced by different 80s subcultures, other times by minimalist aesthetics, but always influenced by heroes of the Church. Though the designs stay up to date and are original, the greatest benefit is that they are open opportunities to evangelize. Oh, and also while looking stylish. Our winner this week will receive a Life is Worth Living Fulton Sheen shirt. You can see St. Wave's latest designs and other items such as stickers, tote bags, hats, and other goodies on their website, saintwave.net. Praise be to God. Thank you, saintwave.net, for your generous support of our trivia game show. We're very grateful to saintwave.net. Let's go to the phones. And talk to Don. Good morning to you, Don. Good morning. Praise be to God, Don. Where, uh, now, you're a return caller, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, sir. I'm a blabbermouth Don. I tell everyone about your show and your agenda. I apologize. You are, Let's go. You're outing me, Don. You're dining me out. I, this, we had a sacred trust, you and I. You're not I, supposed I, to tell people my agendas or my secrets. Uh, well, I've been to confession over it, so Praise be to God. Now, remind us where you're calling from. Greenville, Texas. Greenville, Texas. Amazing. Praise be to Jesus. Well, we're glad to have you back on the show, Don. Now, it's been a long time since the last time, and I'm pretty sure Rudy is new since then. Have you formed yes. any opinions about Rudy since the, at that time? It's still 50-50. I still go with Adrian because I always remember an answer he gave in Latin. Mm. I don't know the answer in Latin. <laughs> and I've always thought that was just too tricky. So. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you see what I'm I told with everybody I didn't know. Well, yeah. you did. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, all right, Don. Let's just see how this goes then. Uh, we'll have to uh, be very careful uh, through these qu next three questions. Uh, but you, of course, know that I am on your side. I'm here to help you get in that cup. So as your friend of the show, are you ready to go, Don? I am ready. Let's do this. Rudy, we'll start with you, as is our custom. Are you ready, sir? I am, sir. Are you sure? Yes, sir. Are you sure? Yeah, I would say so, I think. Rudy, can you tell me? How many candles 
are required to be lit for benediction. Yes. 33 for the years Whoa. that our blessed Lord was alive. That's a, 33 candles. Whew, that's like one of those like sunrise mass, you know, candlelight. Mm-hmm. Wow. Like there's a lot of candles. Oh yeah. 33. Wow. Okay. Hmm. Let's just see if we can't get a second opinion here. Uh, Adrian, can you tell me how many candles are required to be lit for benediction? 33 is a lot of candles. It's a lot. You know, I'm going to say there's 12. You have the two candelabras, mm-hmm. and then you have the six candles on the altar. That's 12. Okay, so 12 candles. It's, it's almost like one for each of the apostles, too. Interesting. Almost. Almost. Okay, here is the deal, Don. The question is how many candles for benediction? Adrian says there's 12. Rudy says there's 33. Both are symbolic numbers. Who's right? Who's wrong? Don, what say you? I'm going to go with Adrian because he didn't say it in Latin. (laughs) (laughs) Survey says, yeah. Nailed it. Nailed it. 33. How many many candles for the sunrise mass, do you know? I have no idea. It's a lot, though. A ton. As many as you can cram on the altar. It's Yeah, there's like no regulation, I guess. It's just a lot. (laughs) There probably is, though. It's beautiful. And not enough to burn the church down. That's the answer. Well done, Don. You navigated that tricky question very well. In fact, there are 12 candles for benediction, so congratulations, sir. You're in the cup. You could win. But I think we can double your chances with this next question. It's pretty straightforward, I'd say. Let's go with Adrian for this. Adrian? Uh-oh. Can you tell me? Maybe. What is the season called that falls between Passion Sunday and Holy Saturday? The season that falls between Passion Sunday and Holy... S- that's only like a week, right? There's, that's just Lent. Mm. It's part of Lent. So your answer is... Lent. Is Lent. Mm-hmm. Okay. Could be. Might be. Hmm. Let's go and see what uh, Rudy has to say about this. Rudy, uh, can you tell me what is the season called that falls between Passion Sunday and Holy Saturday? Hmm. Small season, usually called tides. I'm going to go with Passion Tide. Passion Tide. Passion Tide. Wow. Okay. So uh, Adrian thinks it's Lent, Don. But Rudy says it's called Passion Tide. We're talking about that very small window between Passion Sunday and Holy Saturday. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Don, what say you? I'm going with Rudy. Are you sure? He got it. He got it. Joe, the tricky. Tense silence. Wow. Adrian really hung that one out there for a long time. (laughs) Normally, he just crams the button as fast as possible. Well, congratulations, Don. You're in there. was Was that a tricky one, Don? I'm not sure if it was. No. No, because you said a week and then Lent. I'm a night of Columbus. Have Friday night dinners all during Lent. <laughs> there you go. More than one. So yeah. yes, I got that one easily. You know when Lent ends, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> Praise be to God. Congratulations. You're in for two now. I'm going to be honest with you, Don. I think this third one is the trickiest of all three. Dude, this one's super easy. You easiest question we soup? have. Soup. I, um, I think it's the hardest. Easiest question we've ever done. Really. Mm-hmm. Seriously, you believe Easiest. that? Easiest. Absolutely. He, there's no way he believes that. Okay, here we go. Back to Rudy. Rudy, can you tell me? What is the term for short prayers collected together to petition God during Holy Mass? Those are known as supplications. 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 Hmm. 
Okay. Adrian. Yes. Can you tell me? That's me. <laughs> what is the term? Present. Bueller. Bueller. <laughs> Bueller. Adrian, can you tell me what is the term for short prayers collected together to petition God during Holy Mass? You're asking for short prayers that are collected? Yes. Would that be mm -hmm. a collect? Huh. Prayers that are collected? Hmm. Hmm. I think I've heard that someplace. So you're saying they, it, the, the, it's, they, the it's like a cyclical question here. Yep. Self-referential. Okay. Self-referential questions. Only on Catholic Drive Time. So you're saying it's collects is your That's answer. That's correct. Huh. I don't know, Don. I told you tricky, and I think I delivered because... Adrian says it's called the collect, where they collect those prayers, but Rudy says it's called the supplications. Hmm. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Don, what say you? Um, I'm going to go with Adrian. You don't sound so confident there, Don. Uh, not oh, ah, he got wow. it. He got no it. No tease, nothing. Three chances. <laughs> Nailed it. In the cup. It was tricky, right, Don? That was a tricky one. Easy peasy. It was tricky. Yeah. Collect is the correct answer. The priest collects the prayers of the faithful and delivers them up to God in petition. So you're in for three. How do you feel? I feel good. Did you get good a perfect start. score last time? Um, I've actually been a couple times. I've got the perfect score once and got two, I think, another time. Your record's pretty good, still Don. Haven't, still haven't gotten a, still haven't been, God hadn't blessed me with the prize at the end, but you know, it's fun playing. Maybe One we, time, one time. Maybe we should do like a, like the best of the best players episode of, <laughs> of, of, of Fear and Trouble. Like in tears? Towards the end of the year. Make a, make a tier That'd list. That'd be amazing. Don, you may be on that list, buddy. I mean, you only dropped oh, one good. question in nine. That's pretty good. Well, um, I'm. I'm a good guesser. <laughs> <laughs> or we do a stump Don segment. Just ask oh, the man. hardest Gosh. questions we can come up with. Yes, I like this oh. idea. Let's book that, Don. <laughs> God love you, Don. Thanks for playing and having a laugh with us. We really like it. And uh, let's keep mums the word, all right? Let's keep our secrets uh, to ourselves. Uh, no promises. <laughs> God bless you, Don. Have a great day. We're going to put you on hold. That is going to do it for the radio side of our show. Uh, praise be to Jesus. Thanks for laughing with us and having a good time. We appreciate that. If you are able to join us in our after show on the live video feeds, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Odyssey, LinkedIn, I cross post a bunch of other sites. We'd love to have you. Just go to our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT to get the links to that. Claire is still with us, and she may still take your questions on veiling or more. Just hang out with us, and you get to drive that conversation. Again, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Get your car raffle tickets. God love you. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. 
from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Welcome to the Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel. Today we celebrate Wednesday of the second week in Ordinary Time. The intention for today's Mass is for all of our online viewers and for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio. All hail adored Trinity, all hail eternal unity, O God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit, the ever-one. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. Let us acknowledge our sins, and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to, to Almighty God, God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, of a virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty ever-living God, who govern all things both in heaven and on earth, mercifully hear the pleading of your people and bestow your peace on our times. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the first book of Samuel. David spoke to Saul, Let your majesty not lose courage. I am at your service to go and fight this Philistine. But Saul answered David, You cannot go up against this Philistine and fight with him, for you are only a youth, while he has been a warrior from his youth. David continued, The Lord, who delivered me from the claws of the lion and the bear, will also keep me safe from the clutches of this Philistine. Saul answered David, Go, the Lord will be with you. Then, staff in hand, David selected five smooth stones from the wadi and put them in the pocket of his shepherd's bag. With his sling also ready to hand, he approached the Philistine. With his shield-bearer marching before him, the Philistine also advanced closer and closer to David. When he had sized David up and seen that he was youthful and ruddy and handsome in appearance, the Philistine held David in contempt. The Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come against me with a staff? Then the Philistine cursed David by his gods and said to him, Come here to me, and I will leave your flesh for the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. 
David answered him, You come against me with sword and spear and sidomar, but I come against you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel that you have insulted. Today the Lord shall deliver you into my hand. I will strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will leave your corpse and the corpses of the Philistine army for the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Thus the whole land shall learn that Israel has a God. All this multitude, too, shall learn that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's, and he shall deliver you into our hands. The Philistine then moved to meet David at close quarters, while David ran quickly toward the battle line in the direction of the Philistine. David put his hand into the bag and took out a stone, hurled it with the sling, and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone embedded itself in his brow and he fell prostrate on the ground. Thus David overcame the Philistine with sling and stone. He struck the Philistine mortally, and did it without a sword. Then David ran and stood over him. With the Philistine's own sword, which he drew from its sheath, he dispatched him and cut off his head. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Blessed be the Lord, my rock. Blessed be the Lord, my rock. Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for battle, my fingers for war. Blessed, Blessed be, be the, the Lord, Lord, my rock. My refuge and my fortress, my stronghold, my deliverer, my shield in whom I trust, who subdues my people under me. Blessed, Blessed be the Lord, Lord, my rock. O God, I will sing a new song to you. With a ten-string lyre, I will chant your praise. You who give victory to kings, and deliver David your servant, from the evil sword. Blessed be the Lord, my rock. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom and cured every disease among the people. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus entered the synagogue. There was a man there who had a withered hand. They watched Jesus closely to see if he would cure him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. He said to the man with the withered hand, Come up here before us. Then he said to the Pharisees, Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath rather than to do evil, to save life rather than to destroy it? But they remained silent. Looking around at them with anger and grieved at their hardness of heart, Jesus said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately took counsel with the Herodians against him to put him to death. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. The battle, the grace, the miracle, the healing, whatever it is belongs to the Lord. It is clear that the Lord's power is what brings about something that it would not be possible to bring about 
were we not in that disposition to let God be God, to be the one who saves, the one who restores, the one who does all things. And that's what this beautiful icon of the symbol, this, this analogy, this parable of David, the little David slaying the Philistine giant. This is also uh, kind of a, an analogy of our nature that, has, that Jesus has restored through baptism that is uh, becoming redeemed, fighting against our lower nature, the, which seems a lot more powerful and a lot more, uh, has a lot more pull to it. It is by the grace of God that our nature is slowly being redeemed as we continue to fight and conquer our greatest enemy, which is ourselves, our own flesh. And, and Jesus is also an icon of David. And this tendency, this pharisaical fallen tendency in each of us, and that makes itself present in every level of the church, is the tendency to oppose the work of Jesus. And alarmingly, uh, to try to kill the work of Jesus, to, to plot against it, to rage against it, uh, to not want divine life. Archbishop Fulton Sheen called this, uh, funnily enough, he called it ecclesiastical contraception. Uh, the, the presence in the church that wants to stop the work of Jesus from healing, it wants to stop the work of Jesus from, from saving. And, you know, the, the icon of what a hand is, uh, the works of our hands, the hand is, a, is really a biblical symbol for the uh, working. You have to work. Most of the, the labor is with our hand. And so stretching out our hand is our capacity to do the works of Jesus. And we have to fight within ourselves and without ourselves from on the outside of even within the church that this kind of tendency to oppose anything good, to oppose anything right. And it's very easy and, and it's, it's a healthy posture to hold yourself suspect to this, this gospel should make you do an examination of conscience. Am I opposing the work of Jesus in my community and my family? Uh, is your work as a mother or a father raising children? Are you opposing the, the work of Jesus in your children and their development and they, and their, their, their prayer life, or your family's prayer life. I'm opposing the work of Jesus in someone who, you know, ostensibly wouldn't have it, somebody who doesn't know him very well, or uh, someone who is trying to become uh, better. Do we encourage him? Are we the voice of encouragement? Are we the voice open to Christ? A very good way to heart or lasso or conquer this uh, lower nature is to take up the sling, which is the Holy Rosary. The Rosary is kind of an icon of David's sling. The Rosary is the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ set to the background music of Hail Mary's. It is the gospel. It is a 15-minute way of proclaiming the gospel to your own nature, to slaying the Philistine, to, to silencing the voice of the Pharisees that says, do not live, do not become holy, do not become a saint today, become one tomorrow. The rosary is a, a very real way. And there's many stories of the rosary throughout the church history where impossible odds were overcome. Of course, the most popular is the feast of the, the Holy Rosary, October 7th, the Battle of Lepanto. 
There's also in 1986 in the Philippines, there was what's called the Edza Revolution or People Power, where one million people praying the rosary overcame an evil uh, Marcos regime. And it, we call it the bloodless coup. It, they changed history of their nation because a whole bunch of people got out and prayed the rosary. There's also the, the priests in Nagasaki. The bomb landed in their convent while they were praying and it went off, but they were unaffected. And they had none, not, nothing less than 200 exams in their life from different doctors seeing if they had radiation over the next 30 years, and they were untouched by it. These different kind of miracles are testimonies to the power of the rosary. And end with this. Our Blessed Mother, in all of her modern apparitions, to help human nature, to help humanity, she could have said uh, something like, pray and repent or turn to Jesus or uh, everyone should all do good works or whatever. You know, if you're, if you're being sent down to humanity in, in her apparitions, she said three words every single time, pray the rosary. If you want to save humanity, you want to change humanity, you want to conquer. And if you want to proclaim that the battle does indeed belong to the Lord, pray the rosary daily. Let us bring our petitions to the Lord. We pray for the whole church. We pray that God would raise up saints of our generation, holy men and women, little Davids who can conquer with God's grace. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for our Holy Father, O bishops and priests, that they may have that glorious tendency of grace and that they may, be, uh, they may secure uh, God's holiness. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for government leaders, that they may not oppose Christ. We pray for an end to abortion, same-sex unions, gender confusion, and human trafficking. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for the sick, the suffering, the poor. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for all of our beloved dead. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Heavenly Father, we ask you to hear us, for make these and all our petitions in the holy name of Jesus Christ and through the powerful intercession of the Immaculate Virgin Mary as we pray. Hail, Hail Mary, full, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Most ancient of all mysteries, before your throne we lie. Have mercy now, most merciful, most holy Trinity. When heaven and earth were still unmade, when time was yet unknown, you in your radiant majesty did live and love alone. You were not born, there was no source from which your being flowed. There is no end which you can reach, for you are simply God. Most ancient of all mysteries, before your throne we lie, have mercy now and evermore, most holy Trinity. Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands. 
for the praise and glory of his name, for our good and the good of all his holy church. Grant us, O Lord, we pray, that we may participate worthily in these mysteries. For whenever the memorial of the sacrifice is celebrated, the work of our redemption is accomplished. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks, Father most holy, through your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, your word through whom you made all things, whom you sent as our Savior and Redeemer, incarnate by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin, fulfilling your will and gaining for you a holy people. He stretched out his hands as he endured his passion, so as to break the bonds of death and manifest the resurrection. And so with angels and all the saints, we declare your glory as with one voice we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Plenisun Celi et Terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna, in you are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. The time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and, giving thanks, broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. mystery of faith, we proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you have held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis, our Pope, Michael, our Bishop, and all the clergy. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face 
Have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with Blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the Blessed Apostles and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be co-heirs to eternal life and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. Projectus salutaribus moniti, divini institutioni formati, audemus dicere. Pater noster, qui es in celis, sanctifice tuur nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicut in celo et in terra, panem nostrum quotidianum, da nobis hodie, et dimite nobis debita nostra, sicut et nos dimitimus debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos amalo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. Ad news dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Ad news dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, Miserere nobis, Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those who are called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. Communion Antiphon We have come to know and to believe in the love that God has for us. An act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. 
I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Adoro te devote, latens deitas, que sibi fuiguris vere latitas, tibi secor meum totum subjicit, Quia te contemplans totum deficit. Visus tartus gustus in te falitur. Sed auditus solo tuto creditur. Credo quid quid dixit Dei filius, Nil hoc verbo veritatis verius. In cruce latebat sola deitas, Adiglatet simul et humanitas. Ambo tamen credens adque confitens. Peto quod petivit latro penitens. Plagasicu Thomas non in tuheor. Deum tamen meum te confiteor. Fac me tibi semper magis credere. In te spem abere. Te deligere. O memoriale mortis domini, Panis vivus vitam prestans omini, Presta me menti de te vivere, Et te ili semper duce sapere. Amen. Let us pray. Pour on us, O Lord, the spirit of your love and in your kindness make those you have nourished by this one heavenly bread, one in mind and heart, through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in the peace of Christ. Thanks be to God. Hail, Holy Queen, enthroned above, 
O Maria, hail Mother of mercy and of love, O Maria, triumph all ye cherubim, sing with us ye seraphim. The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruins of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Celebrating the culture of life, this is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Is a 